Welcome to Review the Future, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the impact of technology on culture. I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cooper. And welcome to Review the Future. And we are trying something a little different today. That's right. Live and direct. We're coming to you. No editing. And just as raw as we could manage to make ourselves do. We want to get podcasts out faster because the world is changing faster, <laughs> as we've discussed. <laughs> and we'd like to be a little more topical and not take so long between recording a podcast and then putting it out. Yeah, sometimes it seems like the technologies and news articles we're talking about are shifting right under our feet as we do this. So in an effort to stay abreast and keep you guys awash in content, we're just going to try doing a really off-the-cuff um Fully live one. So you tell us uh, how it's going for you. If, uh, if you hate this, let us know and we'll stop doing it. <laughs> As an example of falling behind, you may have noticed that on the last episode, I uh, might have slipped into talking about Stephen Hawking in the present tense because literally he passed away, oh, yeah. sadly, in the interim between recording that podcast and actually posting it. While we were editing it, that's, uh, that's too bad. Which is, which is a sad fact in itself but yeah this RIP is Stephen Hawking just an example we want to get this stuff out quicker so uh things are going to be even looser but maybe still good we're going to go for it <laughs> um okay so I want to do a little bit of follow-up before we go into new stuff on um a a listener um named Frank F player on on Twitter uh pointed out to me that actually Neil deGrasse Tyson has recently changed his views on AI risk, or at least he's begun to change them. Uh, what I talked about on last episode was the fact that he, being a, a man of science and, and someone that people listen to, had sort of casually dismissed this idea that, you know, an AI might actually take over. And his line about it was that, you know, he would just unplug it or I think even shoot it with a shotgun <laughs> Yeah, um, was the joke he made. But there's a recent video of him, and apparently he listened to that uh, uh, Sam Harris, uh, Elias Rydkowski podcast, and that he started to realize that there's a little bit more of an argument there. So that's cool. That's progress um, of the kind I was hoping for when, in last episode. Yeah, it was a great video. Thanks for sending it. Uh, he just sort of looks at him and goes, it, it, it gets out every time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and there's a look on Neil deGrasse Tyson's face, which is... Um, you know, it's like a smart guy getting something. It's an, it's an appealing look. And looking vaguely troubled by it. Yeah, exactly. It's Yeah. So that was really cool. Thanks for sharing that. And it's good to see that uh, that kind of change is happening because, yeah, that is progress. Absolutely. Um, um, so anyways, we're going to talk new stuff. Ted, I know you have a topic. Yeah. So let's talk about Uber. This is already getting moldy, so we're trying to push it out fast. Although I was just saying to John earlier, I think it might come back in the news in a little while when we get a little bit more of an ex explanation from the Uber people themselves. But listeners have probably heard about this, but I'll just go over it quickly in case you haven't. Um, a couple weeks ago, the first uh, traffic fatality caused by a pedestrian killed by a self-driving vehicle happened, and it was one of Uber's self-driving Volvos in Tempe, Arizona. Mm -hmm. That did it. Uh, the woman who was hit... Um, appears to be a, a homeless woman and she was walking a bicycle across the street um, at the time and it was night and uh, both the car and the driver, uh, you know, they're not drivers, the monitor, I guess, uh, of the self-driving vehicle who's like there for emergencies such as this one failed to see her in time. She was struck and, and died of her injuries. So 
I posted about this on our Facebook page, and some of you chimed in, and thanks for doing that. I I just wanted to talk about the coverage of it. I don't really care that much about the event. I think the event is pretty uh, ho-hum, actually. There's a few conclusions you can draw, but it's not that much. I mean, basically, this thing didn't operate as intended, which is not surprising. They're still testing it. Um, there was a backup system in place, which was a human being. The human yeah. being as backup failed. Yeah. Uh, and there's not really much else to say about it from from a tactical standpoint, at least until we get more info. Right. I, I think that's correct. What I was interested in was how was it covered in the media? And was this going to be, this is going to be a big sort of test for me of how big scary changes are going to get covered in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it going to be a panic and we're going to roll way back on doing these things? Or is it going to be um, the kind of thing where, you know, it, it gets reported, but factually and people move on and they improve from it, et cetera. And so far, uh, I think it's been pretty good, actually. Surprising. Because right. we could have expected headlines like, you know, like Robocar murders person or, you oh, know, yeah. like sensa- really sensationalistic things. Sure. Uh, you know, say, yeah, saying that they were irresponsible and things like that. I, and I didn't see a ton of that. Um, one of the earliest headlines I saw, which is the one that I initially posted, it was on Vox and it just said, uh, you know, a self-driving Uber killed a pedestrian, human drivers killed 16 pedestrians today, right in the headline. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was good. I thought that was an attempt to tell the story without feeding the frenzy anymore than you had to. Right. Uh, right. Because, um, you know, even if we have a world where self-driving cars are uh, more widely deployed, and they're killing lots of people. Right. As long as they're killing less people than human beings would be, um, the self-driving car is still a net win. That's still preferable in my opinion. I mean, I think some people might argue that they'd rather these mistakes be happening uh, because humans make them. But I, I don't think there's any special value to a human making a mistake over a machine. So uh, I thought that was a, a good thing that the, the coverage mostly seemed to stay um, you know, on the even side of it. Well, uh, where's some of the other headlines? Some of the other headlines that I saw. Uh, so I saw an interesting early headline that said, basically that it was from the Tempe police chief. And the, again, the police could have come out and said, you know, this was their fault and they screwed up or whatever. But they said, look, we looked at this thing and we couldn't figure out, you know, um, any way that it could have been avoided. So that was the early word from the police. And I think that tamped down. That's kind of an interesting thing because they've since released the video. And since they released the video, there's been something of a change of opinion about whether it could have been avoided or not. Because now that the video is out there and you can see this video, it's kind of harrowing. You're just cruising down the uh, third from the left lane on a, on a three-lane road. And this woman's walking from left to right. So she's crossed two lanes of traffic already. And she's got a bicycle. She's moving pretty slowly. You see her for several seconds before um, before the video cuts out, right before she gets hit. Um, and the, so it does appear as if the sensors in the car, and the companies that made the sensors did, did say this, they should have been able to see her. So something went wrong uh, in the computing part of mm-hmm. this equation, and we don't know what. We don't know if it was something programmed into it or whether it was just simply a malfunction of some kind. What kind of thing would be programmed into it? I don't know. Versus I mean, a malfunction. Like, well, it could be that it was supposed to to recognize her according to its own design, 
And I mean, this is what I think is the most likely thing. Uh, and it just failed to. And I'm sure there'll be a reason why. Ah, okay. So like there could be like the sensor itself, like mechanically didn't like work correctly or there was some just like... No, they're saying the, the sensors did work. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the video definitely sees her. So it should have been able to detect her from video. Uh, it also has uh, some kind of laser on there, which should have also been able to detect her. And the laser company has a, uh, a statement out saying that it that their sensors worked. Mm-hmm. So they're claiming that it's something in the, so it, you know, was the computers, uh, was the processor inside the car not fast enough to calculate that she was there before she got hit? That's possible, or was it um, that their algorithm that uh, catches patterns from these things didn't catch the pattern, but it should have? Mm-hmm. That's possible. Um, I guess the most, the worst thing for them would be if it somehow did see her and had been programmed not to stop. Right. I mean, if somehow the computer recognized a human or an object moving there and didn't stop anyway, that would be the thing that would be worst for Uber. Although it's hard to imagine in what situation they would they would do that. But I, I guess but it's sort of pointless to speculate about this now. Right. Well, we don't know. Yeah. They haven't come out and said yet. So that's something that will happen soon. Um, so I want to talk about some of the things that weren't so good. I mean, it it. There were several accounts that kind of had this sweeping, I guess this means the technology is not ready conclusion, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's a little bit frustrating. I think it was definitely frustrating to the other companies in this space because there are a lot of very insistent like press release type statements from Waymo and all the other companies that are also in this self-driving testing phase that were like, no, our our technology would have not hit her. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. And of course you don't know that, but it's it's very funny that like, it, it creates this thing where everyone's racing to differentiate themselves from Uber and just say like, you know, uh, it's not all one technology. So that was interesting. Um, and then I saw one kind of disappointing one that was like, you know, finally the real life trolley problem or something. And I, that I wanted to point out is just wrong because this wasn't a trolley problem at all. It could have very easily just stopped and not killed the lady and nothing bad would have happened to anybody. Yeah, there wasn't like so there was another no family like me. on the other side of the road. Empty road, they could have swerved. Yeah. There's a lot of different things it could have done. This is pretty clearly just a failure to detect and not like a failure to make a good choice. Unless, like I said before, Uber somehow put in like a diabolical uh, code that's like, if you see a homeless lady on the street late at night, don't slow down, right? Which is, I don't think that's really I mean, if this was Black Mirror, that right. would be that's the explanation. The explanation, not a real one. Yeah, I, I assume. Of course, Uber has shocked me in the past with that. I think there's been this feeling in, in the sort of circles that we run in, like of sort of, you know, pontificating about technology that, um, you know, we might be in for at some point some kind of, you know, neo-Luddite movement eventually in the sense of like as we get these more automated technologies like there's a a large contingent of the population that really strongly resists them um so i think what this is is right sort of a little bit of a test case for that to see like if if there was a panic it would be sort of the signs that something like that might actually happen um but you know this is this is a small example but it's i think reason to sort of downgrade the likelihood that we're gonna see something like that anytime soon yeah with this technology um the low techs of johnny mnemonic probably will not come to pass yeah i mean i think i wouldn't rule them out like at like there's some threshold of scary technology that maybe eventually like 
pisses off everybody. <laughs> but uh, I think self-driving cars, like we, I think you and I were talking the other day, it could be, what I would expect is they'll be a little bit like cell phones have been, um, or social media now is a good example, where it's like people just adopt them without complaining uh, in a strong way, without like, you know, having a rebellion about it or like really getting outraged. Um, but, but there's a lot of hand wringing opinion piece is all they're going to do. Yeah. A lot of just like people using the technology while sort of like, like ineffectually whining about what it's doing to them. Right. Um, so like, I think that's what we'll see. I don't composing a think piece about why self-driving cars are making us lazy while riding in a self-driving car. Exactly. Or something like that. Yeah. And, and including the line, like the irony is not lost on me as a writer (laughs) that I am currently writing this in a self-driving car. Right. Of course. It is as meta as possible. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, so uh, there's been some good and bad, but I think this is basically good. Some other takeaways, which we touched on, um, the human driver, the backup system, uh, failed, Mm -hmm. which is more evidence, uh, for a, a proposition we've talked about before on here, which is that hybrid systems are basically bad because what you need to have is somebody in control. And um, so one possibility... Well, that but why they're bad, right? Because the humans check out, they right? They over-rely, right. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. They over-rely, that's why. They over-rely on the uh, technology and um, because they think the technology's in control and then the technology beeps and says, okay, you're in control and then it thinks the human's in control. An example of this was the recent Tesla crash, right? Mm-hmm. So Tesla's had a few of these, but they just had another one. And it's another situation where we don't know all the facts, but we know that the autopilot was engaged and the driver ignored several warnings. So we don't know exactly what he was doing. Um, you know, maybe he passed out or maybe he, uh, you know, was distracted by his phone or who knows what he was doing. But um, but he didn't engage. Um, he didn't look up when the warnings came on and then his car hit a barrier and uh, uh, melted. <laughs> I think. Right. So, you know, um, th- and that guy's dead. So, uh, so th- this is a problem for these technologies. And as we deploy them, uh, one thing that I think is going to have to happen is we're going to have to go to an all computer drive system in order to get the kind of safety that I think we're going to expect from mm-hmm. these. Uh, now they did release the video of the, the driver in the, in the Uber case. So there's also a camera facing back toward the, um, it's not a driver, it's a monitor of the person who's sitting in the driver's seat. Right. Right. And it's a terrifying video. You can see it on the internet. It, the woman is, I feel so bad for her. She's going to be haunted by this. I'm sure her whole life, but like, she's just looking down. Like she just has a boring shitty job and she's looking down. She's probably looking at her phone or something. And then just like a split second before, you see her look up with a horrible startled look on her face. Yeah. 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 I saw a still image of this and it's like, it's, it's just heartbreaking. Like it's just terrible because this is obviously not a, an act of malice. This is just a terrible mistake, but, um, but you could see right on her face, like the, you know, the horror of what's about to happen. And, um, and it's just a really visceral example of the fact that, you know, you don't have to be a bad person or anything to, um, be in a situation where, yeah, you're over relying on this computer to do a job that it appears to do, but it's actually very brittle. And, um, you know, we, we need to have either people driving the cars or robots driving the cars that when they're out classed, know to stop. Yeah. Put another way, being both, 
yeah. it, it can't continue on like this, I don't think. Yeah, because being both vigilant and also doing nothing, <laughs> it's, yeah. I think, a really tough combination for anyone. For humans, yeah. We're we're meant to either, like, relax or pay attention. We can't, like, kind of do both at once. I mean, maybe there's, like, a class of person that's really well suited to that, um, and maybe those people will have jobs in some other situation in the future, but... Most people that I know wouldn't be able to do that for very long. So did we ever talk about teledriving on the podcast or is that just something you and I talked about? I don't know actually what that is. Like the idea of um, having a somebody in a call center who can take over your car, your self-driving car in the event that the computer becomes incapacitated. So somebody is like sitting in a call center in like basically a video game and they can remotely drive your car. We haven't talked about that, but that's interesting. Um, I mean, that's so this a- is something I know they are developing. It's a it's a thing, mm-hmm. and obviously it has problems. Latency is the you know networks and latency are the issue, um, but I think it might be a better um, medium term solution for deploying self driving cars to have there basically just be people whose job is to be ready to take over all of the malfunctioning cars, and that's just what they do. They drop into systems and stop the car. Right, right. Um, and like they're trained in it. They're like basically like race car drivers or whatever, or people who used to be taxi drivers, let's say, maybe, since they're going to be all out of a business. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You might actually be able to, in the medium term, like use people um, to plug that hole, but not the untrained civilian driver uh, who owns the car because that person is not equipped to like deal with those kind of high stress driving situations sure when they haven't even been driving the car although you'd have to like i guess you'd be like one person would be simultaneously monitoring like all the cars and then like it'd pop onto your screen the second there was a situation or something is that Uh, yeah imagining that your screen is more like an inner like either a vr helmet or like an interactive booth that shows you the output of like all the cameras and all the instruments that the car has, which you're trained to know how they work. But you couldn't, then, ha- yeah, you kind of drop into one car at a time. Cause you don't think you could pay attention to multiple. The tricky thing is if they drop you into a car, like right before it hits a pedestrian, I mean, that's like, that's, yeah, that's real, man. This would be like the worst, most stressful job ever. It'd be a cool, uh, cause it's job like for a guy in an action movie to have, you it's just like, like get dropped into like tons of situations right before they go bad. And then you have like, two seconds to respond and like swerve out of the way and then like it immediately you get a short break and it happens again yeah exactly it's like playing um that, that video game um i'm kind of totally blanking on the name um was it like mario party or there's like a couple mario different kart? no 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 not mario kart uh, the one, one that like drops you into a bunch of mini games one after another um, and you have to like learn the rules in two seconds. Oh, like Wario World. Like WarioWare Wario is, is one yeah. of one of the incarnations Wario. of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, it would be like playing that, but really high stakes. Yeah, or just like bam, you're in a new game. Like yeah. figure out how to new save this person's life. Yeah yeah, 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 exactly. Ah, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, but kind of like for cert- a certain adrenaline junkie, maybe amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's just something I wanted to bring up quickly that this made me think of. Another thing that made me think of, which is really obvious actually, is. Uh, whatever happens with this Uber case, it's gonna be it's gonna come down to the fact that they had video of the front and inside of the car, so you can see exactly who is doing what wrong. And why don't we have that already for all cars? Mm-hmm. 
Doesn't that seem like it would be trivially cheap? Yeah, you mentioned this, and I was like, well, and we talked about, too, how it seems like the insurance companies would be maybe incentivized to make this happen. Right, like the way they already, some insurance companies will let you put a box in your car that monitors your speed and where you go, and they'll give you a lower rate if you tell they'll them cut your stuff. premium down. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, they can verify that you're not speeding or something like that. I think they can also do, like, rate uh what do you call that like uh community rating on you too they can find out if you go to a poorer part of town and charge you more which is screwed up but anyway i mean it's clearly in their interest to track you and have more information about you to get better more accurate uh reads on how risky you are right so why wouldn't they just be like well if you put this in your car um what would be used reduce your premium i mean it would be clearly used to resolve claims yeah so i mean the only like, because it is a bit of a puzzle, like, why isn't this already in place? Yeah. But it might just be, like, I mean, inertia. it only recently got cheap enough and there's some inertia to doing it. But my other theory would be that um, currently when you uh, investigate claims, there's this ambiguity to most car accidents where maybe you have a couple eyewitnesses, maybe you don't. One party says one thing, another party says another thing. And within that space of ambiguity, like, the insurance companies are pretty, like, experienced at navigating um, and obviously fighting for the way they want things to go, which is usually paying out as little money as possible. And so they might have a thought that if we had this actual factual clear record, um, that they'd have less room to like sort of argue their way out of things. Um, or at least it would be different than what they're used to. Yeah. I think the status quo bias makes the most sense in that argument. Um, I hear what you're saying. I wonder how it would shake out because I do feel like insurance companies have this, they have sort of two goals. One is to, um, pay each other as little as possible. And one is to like pay on behalf of its customers as little as possible. Right. So I feel like it, if there was cameras, they would probably help both insurance companies Mm -hmm. in, in telling their customers that they had actually broken some rule and therefore don't get help. Mm Mm-hmm but it might also hurt them with regard to their fight against the other insurance company where the insurance company can say your client did something wrong. Therefore you have to pay us. So I'm not sure how that shakes. Yeah. I guess the adversarial (laughs) nature, it it might just be a wash actually. Yeah. It sounds like it might be a wash. That's why it sounds like all things equal, just more information is better for them, but yeah, it doesn't exist. So I wonder why seems very easy to understand, uh, to imagine the technological solution that would, you know, just record, however many hours, 24 hours, 48 hours of of continuous video whenever the car is running and just uh, dump it as it gets old. And then, like, whenever there's an impact, just stop recording, you know, right? Like, or just stop dumping. I mean, it seems like a really simple, it's just an SD card and a couple of cameras. Yeah. Could be, could be deployed for, like, nothing. But it kind of has to be deployed by the manufacturer because it has to be, like, embedded in the car. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. It seems like an obvious thing that I think just nobody thought of just because they didn't used to have them. I mean, I never thought of it. Why yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would you think of it? But I think it would be really good. We should just do it immediately. Yeah, it does. It does make sense. <laughs> um, but uh, sh- like, is there anything else about this story? I just want to say one more thing before we move on to the next topic, which sure. is um, one of the best articles I saw about this was about, um, well, the real question this brings up is our infrastructure and they were talking specifically about the fact there's no crosswalks anywhere near where this lady died Mm -hmm. and so she's crossing from a park to a 
movie theater or a movie theater to a park or something like that, like two places that you might want to go between. And there was just no easy way to cross. So she crossed in a dangerous place. And it may be that as we move from uh, cars into self-driving cars, we need to upgrade our infrastructure. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about this a lot. And I was thinking about how the many ways that we've changed our infrastructure for cars from the old days of like people and horses mm-hmm. and uh, roads are really different now from the lines painted on them to the signage, to the ways that uh, exits and embankments are done. All kinds of things are different now because we redesigned roads for cars and we may just need to do something of a social project to redesign roads for self-driving cars. Yes, I think that's true. And I also, you might want to keep, well, here's the thing too, is it also, if, if people are aware that self-driving cars are on the road, mm-hmm. then the calculus as a pedestrian does change, right? Especially if you think they're going to actually stop for you. <laughs> well, or if you think, don't trust the technology and think they're not. Right. right? I mean, because usually with a human, like I think everyone's had the felt like the situation where they're in a car driving and like a pedestrian walks out in front of you and, and you can tell the pedestrian just like, whatever. Sure. Like, I dare you. You're not going to do this. You're not going to ruin your life for this. You're going to let me cross right now. Right. And and like, because, you know, you're sensible, you 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 break, right? Yeah. But like, you can't, like, I, I'm not sure people would be that daring with an algorithm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you knew that a lot of self-driving cars were on a particular road. Um, but then, you know, it could go the other way, too. Like, I mean, we show in our graphic novel a scene where uh, somebody literally cannot uh, commit suicide by car. Right. He tr- he can't get himself hit by a car because they're all too good at, at avoiding him. At swerving. So it could go yeah. that way too. And then then people, would, yeah. But maybe we just want to keep pedestrians away in the infrastructure design from the roads entirely, which is I think what you're actually saying. Yeah, or make it safe for them to cross um, in whatever way makes sense. You know, like painting white lines on the road uh, in a horizontal pattern helps make you visible to humans mm-hmm. but that may not be the best strategy for making you visible to a computer and oh, so i see so i think as if we decide like okay we're going to deploy you know lidar and video and whatever else they use uh, uh deploying uh self-driving vehicles then it might make sense for us to redesign our streets um and our and our public spaces and whatever our whole infrastructure uh, for those things. So what is it going to be easy for them to see? What is it going to be hard for them to see? Where is it going to be easy for them to avoid a pedestrian? Where will it be hard? Uh, where you know, uh, Try to make sure that people who are moving around um, the vehicles can do so without getting in their way. Um, so, you know, what, what, I don't know the technical details of what that exactly entails, but I suspect that that's like a research project that's worth doing. Well, and I think that, um, cause like one thing I, I was also thinking about on this issue is it's worth thinking about what an actual watershed moment would be. Cause this is kind of a minor case at the end of the day, like one that would right. really test the public reaction to this. And it would have to be one where it wasn't a test car. It was a car that was deployed with the intention of being safe and approved by a government with the assumption that it's safe, that was on the road. Um, that then, kills somebody but kind of what you're saying is that by the time we get there it might be deployed in the context of new infrastructure that might really mitigate this eventuality happening anyways right yeah if we are forward thinking as a society and start incorporating that into our planning because it's a really different world if most cities just let the self-driving cars on the regular roads with the regular cars 
or there's just like designated self-driving lanes um, that are like specifically built out and are only allowed to do like certain routes. Right. And it might kind of slowly invert. And over time, the self-driving lanes become most lanes and the places where people are allowed to drive themselves become sort of circumscribed or rural or or less traveled areas where it's less important. Um, But But, yeah, but it's the case where I think they're set loose on the general roads where you are setting yourself up for a big cultural moment when after that happens, inevitably there is a high profile accident of some kind. And if ever you're going to have like crazy outrage about this that goes anywhere, I think that's when it would have to happen. But again, I think that's looking less and less likely. Yeah. To me, the main thing these things have to do is like they're, they need to have a, a, a failure mode. Like they need to know when they're not working. Basically, if they it's not that they can never break down, but they need to be able to stop and get to a safe place when they when something's going wrong. So it'll be really interesting to see with the Uber what actually went wrong. Mm-hmm. And how it avoided detecting that object, and then uh, you know, from there we'll have to be assured. I mean, I think there'll be a project to assure us that that they've got the that they got it figured out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's uh, I, that's all I really wanted to talk about with it. We, we might s- j- jump back into this when they finally release an answer. If there's an interesting answer that they give. Well, one of the benefits of trying to do this like faster, uh, more topical format is that we can do things like that, maybe follow up on stories. So yeah, I look forward to doing that if, if we get more info. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, uh, an idea that had been entering my mind recently of, um, well, let me just sort of paint a scenario, right? Imagine, Ted, that uh, we had an maybe an open standard or at least like a widely adopted standard of human body scans. Maybe that also included uh, a highly detailed uh, facial scan, like basically like files in a computer assembled together of a person that uh, was a complete 3D image picture of that person um, in high detail that had like all their body dimensions and all their facial features and let's just throw in that it's photorealistic quality. Um, right. So it's a model and it's also some kind of texture or something. So yeah. So you basically can recreate your own body as it really is in a computer. So like a personal avatar file. Now, of course, it, ha- it and, and again, to distinguish this from other science fiction scenarios we've talked about, it has no intelligence. It's just like your physical representation yeah, we're not talking um, about scanning your brain or somehow deriving yeah. your memories from yeah, DNA. Yeah. We're just all we're talking about is just you. You have photographs and uh, those little dots like that yeah. they use for motion capture, and you um, you turn that into a model and a and an, a skin. So and and maybe your scan is something that you can make at home with a home device, um, or maybe it's something where you go to like a high tech facility that gets scanned there where they have better access to cameras and stuff and they just quickly do it right you can imagine a retail like storefront basically that's set up to do this almost like an old photo studio Mm -hmm. where it's got lights it's got a green screen on the wall they've got the little balls they do a bunch of different poses and moves with you and make Mm -hmm. sure you get all the data in and then they kind of crunch it up and give you your file yeah so i've been thinking about that yeah that's cool um and well, so first of all, I want to ask you, like, what are the uses that you can think of for this, right? If you had access to your file. Right. So right away, an obvious use um, is online shopping. 
Sure. So right now, online shopping doesn't work that well because I have to order 10 things and then return half of them. You mean clothes especially, right? Yeah. I mean clothes, shoes, glasses, yeah, Mm -hmm. like fashion things. Yeah, and the solution of like we send, like Warby Parker, where it's like we send you 10 glasses and then you send them back is kind of tedious and that's kind of wonky yeah lately what i've been doing the way i've been buying clothes is i go on to uh the websites of places that have stores i order like 10 things like i I order hundreds of dollars worth of clothes they all come i try them on and then i end up returning almost everything Mm -hmm. but it still is better than going to the store because i only have to spend 10 minutes in the store instead of an hour Although it's it's not a great it's not a great system. Oh, you return it at the local store. Yeah, I return it at the local store. To save store. the trouble. Okay, yeah. Otherwise packing it up and shipping it is more trouble than I'm really. I guess I didn't to. realize you could do that. That does sound like a pretty good halfway. This solution. is what I've been doing lately. This is okay. my new strategy. Got right? it. So they send me like a giant bag of stuff. They give you free shipping if you pay a lot. Yeah, yeah. But then you end up returning so much of it you wouldn't it's like I don't know, it's ridiculous. But that's the current workaround that I do. It's not great. It's not ideal. And Increasingly, they're not carrying much stuff in stores, I've noticed. I'll go online, and they'll have lots of things available online that are not available on the store. So I can't go even try them on if I want to. Right. So that, so one use, so buying, a, buying clothing online or other wearable stuff. Yep. Yeah. Uh, another use I could imagine people might want is in video games or social VR applications, where you want to basically play as yourself or even have other people play as yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And then what's cool about that is that you could probably transform yourself in really interesting ways within the strictures of whatever game or social VR app. You make some tweaks based upon the original file. Yeah, exactly. You start with the original file, but then you map it onto a more muscular body. Trim a few pounds. Just move this little slider. (laughs) Exactly. I'm imagining a bunch of sliders that you can just like move around. Yeah, I think the like macro changes to the body shape should be easy. Like Mm -hmm. changes to the the image mapping might be harder, but I could definitely see you could like get change your color to a different color or you could change your size or, mm-hmm. you know, change your hair. Um, so that might be fun for those types of situations. Um, I could imagine uh, high end artistic purposes. I mean, I guess they already have like a digital Carrie Fisher, right? That they like use to make Star Wars movies now. Yeah, yeah. So you could have like like an artist could actually I've thought about this could make a work of art, um, basically with starring mannequin dummies, mm-hmm. um, whether it's like still photographs or a video or whatever, mm-hmm. and it just automatically replaces those mannequin dummies with whatever people you select. So you could take a pre-made movie made by like a high-profile artist and put you and your friends into it. Sure. And like cast your one friend as the villain and then just watch it. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Like you, yeah, like your friends come over, they all like share their avatar to the system and then you sit down and instantly watch mm-hmm. maybe even any movie with you live uh, put into it. Because depending on how good you want it to be, you might even be able to do it to existing movies, right? Mm-hmm. Or like it's just putting your face on their face and, you know, making less extreme changes. Sure. Although if the movie wasn't like designed with that in mind, it might be harder to just swap it in. But might be. But I think like you'd probably be able to do if you were just doing faces, I bet you could do it with like any movie and it would basically work. Sure. You would need an extra algorithm, though, to like to find the faces to sort of like like like, reverse engineer that movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas like something that was made from the ground up this way could like be set up to very easily swap in people. Sure. Sure. Um, 
So I um so okay, so we've got we've covered uh buying clothing. Yeah. We've covered uh these artist artistic purposes. We've sure. covered like your VR presence. Sure. Right? Can you think of anything else? Because so far I think you've missed the one that turns out to be the one that the startups that are doing this sort of thing think is the most important. Oh really? Because I was thinking about this and I was like, I bet somebody's starting to do a low level version of this. Oh, okay. This is, um, no, I don't know. I give up. What is it? So when I actually Googled this to see like, cause I, I'm like this part of the reason that this was an amusing idea to me is like, this sounds around the corner. Like it's scanning technology is like getting there. Right? They can already basically do this for high-end Hollywood movies. Yeah, yeah. So you can definitely do this. It's just not like a commonplace thing that everyone has like a, a file of themselves in the cloud that they can use to buy clothes with or something. Right. So the the by far the main usage I was finding from various startups was for fitness tracking. Oh. Right? Now, here's the... Are, what? So no, they, wait, I don't understand. So like... Ow. Like, um, so like imagine you're working on your body, you're doing exercise, like, and you want to... Like, so, okay, so let's talk about one company I looked up, right? So okay. Staiku is this company I found very quickly. Again, I know very little about this stuff. I just Googled it for five minutes, but it was interesting. They make like a little turntable thing that you can get for your home. Okay. So like instead of saying having a scale right. that you get on every day to check your progress, um, or like I guess you could get a tape measure out and measure things, right? Um, you just stand on this turntable with your sort of hand slightly up and like, it spins you around and the scanner like creates a file of your body's dimensions. And is it's a scanner on the turntable or is it your phone? So there's a different company that makes one that has like a weird arm that comes off of the turntable itself. Okay. The Psyche one, it looked like a separate unit, but like the concept is the same. Got it. Got it. Um, and like there's other companies that do this where you go to their facility to do it. And there's other companies that are like, they sell a thing, but you also can go to their facility. But mostly they seem to be pushing this like use for fitness and the argument that they make in the videos that are like full of like techno music and people jogging and stuff mm-hmm. um, are basically that um, it's to help with motivation because like they say like using, you know, traditional measures of like your progress, like you don't really see much progress. You know, you're working out every day right. and like you're, you get on the scale and like the pounds haven't really changed, but maybe you've actually built some muscle mass or like some things have changed that you can't quite notice. So this gives you like this detailed stats readout of like what's exactly going on with your body. Oh, God. But the whole time I'm watching this thing, I'm like, look, this just looks like a way for like people who like are extra body conscious to like go down the rabbit hole of like, like horrible, like feeling horrible about themselves. Right. Cause it's just like so much data you can obsess over about like, you know, the exact like shape of your hips or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Uh, But yeah, but that seemed to be what people are using it for. I did find a handful of companies that seem to be using it for fashion, Mm -hmm. uh, aimed at fashion designers, which you would expect because that's like the more high end usage. Um, So people to design clothes on then to design clothes on. Got it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did find uh, one company. I'm looking for it right now. Um, like body.me with body spelled an annoying way. Okay. Actually, guess how body is spelled. Um, well, since you said it was annoying, I will assume it's two D's and an I. Only one D. Okay. B-O-D-I. So it looks like Bodhi. Bodhi. That's, see, with two D's and an I is less annoying, actually, because at least you were tempted to pronounce it correctly. And actually, <laughs> Bodhi.me really looks like Bodime. In oh fact, yeah, Bodime. Yeah, 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 I can see it. Uh-huh. Uh, so it looks like that. Bodime, know yeah. yourself. Um, oh, weird. And their their color scheme makes it into bo- Bodime. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really weird. So, so they are trying to um, do this for buying clothes, like which is more the first use case that I thought of. Right. Right. Um, and so like, but they're like a weird like cloud service where you can manually up like uh, upload your measurements. Like Uh you could just take them the old fashioned way, like Uh with a tape measure or something, and then it like works with fashion brands to like figure out what will fit you. Um, they. And, but then they also have like 3D on-site scanning facilities in various cities. Yeah, um, that's the that's the thing that I think has a future. I feel like th- that could replace most clothing stores, basically, right? But it was much harder to find this one than the weird fitness ones for whatever reason. Maybe it's just not the right time. Maybe we're wrong about where the technology is, but it does seem like soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised that this isn't something that like the gap or whatever doesn't already do. Right, right. Because I kind of feel like, yeah, if I imagine what I think going to the gap's going to be like in 10 years, it's like a tiny white room where they just have people going for this and you get in and out in 20 minutes and then on your phone or anywhere else in your brain implant or whatever you use to look at the internet, you can just see yourself in every bit of clothes that gap sells and you know, hit okay, and then they print out of the little clothing print. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. And and I will say, too, I did find one other place that was um, more, I think, aimed at the film industry, from what I can tell. Mm. It's right here in L.A. Okay. And they do really high-quality scanning where you have to go to their facility. Cool. Where, like, it's, like, photorealistic. Cool. So, like, you get, like, the folds in the clothing that you're wearing when they scan it. So you could, like, scan yourself, like, as a character and then, like, make it, like, an awesome figurine or statue out of it or something. I'm not sure what. Oh, cool. Or, or you know, so there, there is one place that does that. Um, I don't think anything yet is bridging the gap between all those things, right? Mm-hmm. Because, again, if you look at the scans for, like, the fitness ones in particular... I don't think I didn't see any what the scans look like for the clothing one, but the fitness scans, they're pretty basic. They get the body shape right, but they don't like scan like your clothing um, and they don't like get your facial features with any detail. So you couldn't really use it for that like online avatar purpose, which is probably why that's not a big thing yet. Seems like if you want that quality, you still would have to go to a very high end facility. Mm. Although that's confusing to me because it just seems like with photos, stitching together photos, you could maybe get a pretty good face uh, like representation. So I don't know. But like ultimately what I'm imagining is something that combines all this stuff and just like has it all in one file. But we're apparently not there yet. Yeah, but it does seem like something that the technology is all there to build. It just needs to be kind of put together from existing things. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't know about the compatibility issues either, but I think that 3D model type things are pretty portable and that like once you have one, you can use it a lot of places. Um, well, there are standards for 3D models already, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, um, and I, I don't do much 3D modeling, so I, I, I'm not super up on that, but... Uh, I don't know if there's like a file format that would also, well, there must be. I mean, there might be an existing format that basically already would handle this well. I think there's more than one existing format. I don't know how compatible they all are with each other, but I think they're relatively convertible to to each other. Uh, So, you know, being able to save the photos, the stitch together photos as some kind of a texture or map or something, Mm -hmm. and then also um, having some 
version of like a wireframe model or whatever. Um, right. Those are the two things. It's the texture map and then the 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 wireframe. Right. Those are the like the two pieces. Right. Yeah. Roughly. I, yeah. I might be getting the terminology slightly wrong because I think this stuff is always sort of developing. But yeah, something like there's basically there's like a model and then there's a like right. some kind of a picture or, or a texture that goes on it. But like to illustrate, like when you do the fitness body scan with the weird turntable thing. Yeah. Um. I mean, it doesn't like matter what your skin color is. Everyone just looks like a, like a gray mannequin, right? Oh, I see, right. Because it doesn't like it doesn't actually like it's it's like it's like there's a term for this. It's like uh, photogametry or something. Yeah. Um, I think that's the term. I might let me let me check that. Uh, oh, it's photogrammetry. Photogrammetry. Yeah. Uh, that's like just basically just measuring distances, right? Via photographs, it's not actually right. like taking in color information and like bouncing, you know light that you could use to like determine like what shirt color someone was wearing or anything like that um right so anyways i don't know what much else there is to say about that except that this is something i expect to be a thing like soon <laughs> yeah it's not like a super transformative technology maybe but it does seem like an obvious one that would be coming online soon and that would have some really um good uses uh, i mean particularly in this sort of ongoing battle to uh, get rid of retail shopping i feel like it's going to be a big um, yeah, this is what could kill clothing stores, like in, in the way that bookstores have been killed. Yeah, like just make them into rarities, basically. So that's pretty relevant. Um, yeah. Although, I mean, I still think there's maybe, you know, if clothing stores are willing to be offering people on site to, like, help give you advice, um, some of them will survive, right? Like by offering more of a service thing, as, as many companies tend to yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. The long-term trend, I feel like, is toward retail being basically service, mm -hmm. like all of retail basically being some kind of service, with with any product part of it being a minor part of what's actually going on. You can actually imagining like a clothing service that's like they, there's not even any clothes there, right? right? Someone just scans you and then sits down with you and like scrolls through options on a laptop, and you say, "Ooh, I like that one," and then you order it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and they're just there to basically like give you tips. Yeah. They're a personal stylist. I mean, yeah. they have this sort of thing for very rich people, but it's the kind of thing that maybe in the future everyone will be able to afford that because the uh, cost of a human yeah. labor will be so low. Exactly. <laughs> right. But but the thing that I am most excited about, I think personally, is like the art use cases, like where sure. you could like sort of recast a movie on the fly. Um, yeah. Excellent. When one of your leads turns out to be... Um, you know, into uh, children or something. Well, ha, huh, that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> well, see, that's like a while ago, we did an episode on the future of movies where we talked about actually making movies like in this way, right? As a way to just like replace human actors <laughs> almost entirely. Right, right. It's been Robert Zemeckis's dream for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, um, we didn't talk about then those movies then be being customizable after the fact, which I guess is just sort of a, corollary to that what world we were already envisioning yeah it depends how you're rendering i guess but like if you're if you're rendering at the end point kind of like a game does um then it could be like endlessly customizable and that might be really valuable to people, people you could turn any movie into the malkovich version yeah or you can just recast it from other celebrities that will like license their likeness to you mm -hmm. and not just their likeness but like their way of speaking and the whole deal yeah 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 um and but I want to cast it with people I know. That's what makes me laugh. That's like what I think I'm, is is tickling my funny bone here. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, that's what Facebook would expect that you'd want. Um, 
Yeah, well, and, and there's much to say about Facebook, maybe for another episode. That'll be another day. That's right. Zuckerberg, man. All right, let's not even get into that. All right, let's wrap up. So uh, <laughs> until next time. I'm Ted Cover. I'm John Perry. And you've been listening to Review the Future. To subscribe or leave a comment on this episode, please visit reviewthefuture.com. You can also send emails to feedback at reviewthefuture.com. Thanks for listening.